0: Exodus 34 is where we'll start. Exodus 34. Um, today I'm going to talk to you about God. Sound like a good one, good subject, good thing to talk about. That's the answer that everybody uses in Sunday school. It's either God or Jesus. Um, it always works. so It's kind of hard to figure out what to preach about the week after Easter. Okay, because you sit in there and it's like, well, what am I going to, it just seems like nothing, never mind. Today we'll talk about God. Who is he? What is he? Um, Jesus said in John fourteen nine, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So Jesus tells him like, look, you've looked at me, you've seen me, you've seen the father. And I think that's a real key. You have to see him as the father. You have to see God as the Father. I would argue that you must see Him as the Father or you will never see yourself as a son or daughter. If you never see God as the Father, you'll never see yourself as a son or a daughter even though you're called His sons and daughters by Him. And and I can show you verse after verse after verse that calls you a son or a daughter. But if you never allow yourself to see Him as the loving Father, then you will never fully walk in, in sonship or in being a child of God. You'll never be all that you're called to be if you don't learn to see Him as a father. We've been grafted in. We're no longer orphans. There was a time when, when we were orphans and we were dead in our sin, but we're no longer orphans. Scripture tells us the spirit of truth comes into our hearts crying, Abba, Father, or I have a daddy what you think about god affects what you think about yourself and the other relationships in your life it all comes it it affects all of that it affects every relationship in your life the way you see god how you see god affects it all i heard this lady say that um her and her husband got a divorce for religious reasons i say really what you mind like explaining? She said, Oh yeah. Uh he thought he was God and I don't. <laughs> Look at Ephesians one sixteen and seventeen. As I'm starting to close, could somebody come up and pick around on the guitar? Anybody? Oh thanks, Dylan. <laughs> I am closing that door. <laughs> Ephesians 1, 16. This is Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. And there was some crazy stuff going on in that time. And it was a wild city. And there was a lot of just a lot going on. And, and Paul's writing them in this letter. And he's telling them how grateful he is for them. And how he's heard all the things that they've done. And, and look what Paul says. I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Paul said, I pray for you all the time. And here's what I'm praying. Oh, that I'll win the lottery no, no, that's, that's not what I'm praying. Oh, that my dog will quit pooping on the carpet? No, no. That my wife wouldn't be crazy? No that's, not what, Paul, no, that's not what I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you would have more of God. That's what Paul said there. I'm praying that you would have more of God in your life, that you would have more of a knowledge, that you would get a revelation of who He is. That you would know more today about who God is than you did yesterday. That you would continue to grow in Him. Now, what do you need to learn more about God? That's the scary part. What if I need some bad things to happen so that I can rely on Him more? Oh, well that's what Paul's praying for. What if I need, man, I hope I need some good stuff to happen so I can see God. God. I feel like I need a million dollars to really, to really know God, to know him. See, if you start praying that for people, hey, God, it don't matter if he keeps his job or loses his job or it doesn't matter if he gets sick or is healthy or whatever. I just want you to give him more of you, whatever that takes, whatever he needs. That's, that's basically what Paul's telling them. I'm praying that you would get more of God, that you would know more of who He is. Philippians 3:10, Paul said, "That I may know him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings." So oh, I, mm, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection, but I don't, I don't know about the fellowship of suffering. Hmm More of God. I think we can all agree that we need to know Him, right? Can we agree on that? We need to know God. There are a lot of things we don't agree on, maybe, but, okay, I'm sure there are, but we can all agree on that. We need to know Him. Well, how do you get to know somebody? How do you find out things about somebody? There are a few different ways. One way is you can ask people that know them. You can find somebody that you know knows that person and you can ask them, ask them questions, ask them things about them. Hmm. Where'd he go? Did Ben leave? Ah, he's out in the foyer. Perfect. Perfect. All right, so, (laughs) yes, can you see me on the screen, Ben? Hey. (laughs) All right, say I wanted to get to know Ben, and I had never met him, and I knew nothing about him, but I'd like to get to know him, I'd like to know who he is, I could ask people that know him, let's see, who in here knows Ben? Ben. Just tell me one thing that that you know about Ben, maybe something he likes, maybe a characteristic of Ben, maybe, you know, what he looks like, I don't, it doesn't matter, any, you know Ben? Very intelligent. Oh, very intelligent, Ben Johnston, (laughs) (laughs) kidding, he likes to be the driver. Oh, he likes to be the driver. So I think, hmm, is this guy maybe a little controlling? I don't, I don't know him. I'm going off of what people are telling me. See, who else knows Ben? He's got a big heart and he loves kids. Big heart and he loves kids. Like a medical problem or or no? <laughs> I'm just kidding, Ben. Who else knows Ben? He knows more about technology than any of us do. knows more about technology than the rest of the kids space team. Oh, he's in the tunnel now. Let's <laughs> see what people are saying now. <laughs> he is in there. Anybody on this side know anything about Ben? So now I'm finding out he's got a big heart. He likes helping out with kids. He's a pretty intelligent guy. Um, He likes to drive, so he he likes to kind of navigate. What was that? He's starting a new job Thursday. Oh, he's starting a new job Thursday. Working at Southwire. Okay. And he's single. He gives great hugs. He can always make you laugh. He works in kid space. He's tall. Okay, so all these things that I'm finding out about Ben, guess what? I just found out a lot about this guy. A lot, like, especially if I didn't know him, now I've got kind of a description of what he looks like. I I know some of the things that he likes to do. I know some of the ministries that he's involved in. I know a direction that he's taking in his life, a major direction of a career change, like a work that he's about to start. So I know some things that he's doing. I know a lot about Ben just from asking, just from asking people that know him. So that's one way that we can get to know God is by getting around people that know him that spend time with Him, that know Him, and ask and listen. When I hear somebody talking about Ben, if I want to get to know Ben, then I'm going to listen to what it is that they have to say about him. Good or bad or whatever. So if we want to get to know God, that's one way. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, I guess it was two weeks ago. Zach sent me a text. Uh, Zach's on the world race and he sent me that he sent me a text. Um, hey, what are some specific and I'm paraphrasing, but what are some specific ways that God speaks to you? Or that you hear God? Something along those lines. I'm like, whoa, that's pretty and I can't just like text back whatever to that. I need to think about this. Let me think let me make sure I text something good. You know, he's counting on his pastor to send him something good. So I sent back like God ...can usually speak through an awesome preacher's text. Like, and he's ha, ha, ha. He sends back, like, what else? <laughs> like, so, whatever. But he sent that to me. And I thought it was cool. I thought about it. I prayed about it. I sent him back this big, long text... ...telling him all different ways that I think God can speak. And then I found out he sent the same text to Jesse. And so she had thought about it and prayed about it. And she had sent him a response... And it was kind of cool, because then it opened up a conversation between us two, and we compared our two texts, and uh, we had both, in different words, told him pretty much the same things. Like, multiple different ways that we hear God, and they were all the same, but just, you know, she used her words, and I used mine, and hers was probably longer than mine. But, that's beside the point. Oh. Okay. True. All right. So, so that was kind of cool. And then, I, I know I'm gonna miss a few because then I talked to Rebecca and she said that they got the text. Hey, did you get a text from Zach? And they had typed him back. And then last Sunday at our Easter thing, Tyler says, "Hey, I got a text from Zach last week asking for some specific ways." And Tyler tells him that uh, you know one of the best times he hears God is when he's alone driving in his truck. Everything's quiet. And Zach's like, "Well, gee, thanks. I don't have a truck and won't have one for months." Stuck with people. You're great help, Tyler. I mean, <laughs> and but it opened up a conversation with me and Tyler about that. And then uh, me and Dylan are on the way to Blake House Monday morning. We're going to minister at Blake House. And Dylan's like, "Hey, I got a text from Zach a couple weeks ago asking if it, for some specific ways to to hear from God." And it opened up a conversation with me and Dylan about it. And then me and Joe had a conversation. About it at Warrior Training Friday morning. Joe said he got the text. Hannah got the text. uh, And I think Doug got the text. And I know a lot of you, apparently, apparently he sent the text to anybody he thought might could hear God (laughs) or or that he had their phone number or was in relationship with that he thinks hears God, not to say you don't if he didn't send you the text. But now I'm not trying to... (laughs) Okay, but then when me and Joe were talking, I was like, it's a pretty cool thing. And then in my studying, God's used that to say some things to me about like I'm even preaching about some things in that. And God spoke to me through some of those conversations I had. So in Zach, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around the fact that in Zach asking for himself, how do I hear God That was the voice of God speaking something that I needed to hear. So God was being used by God to speak for God to ask how to hear God. Does that make sense? Let's pray. (laughs) Like, that's a big God. That's pretty cool. And I believe from hearing the collective answers that he got from Tyler and Dylan and Joe and Hannah and Jesse and me and Rebecca and RJ and Doug and, and all of us, I believe that Zach got flooded with answers, with awesome answers, and he asked for. So Zach did what I'm talking about doing to get to know God, What I, the example with Ben. Zach asked. He's like, man, how do I... What are some different ways that I could hear God? Let me ask some people that I believe know God and know how to hear, and let me ask. Because that's a great way to learn. And then God turns around and uses it just because God's just cool like that. And that's what he can do, whatever he wants to do. And that works to an extent. That's great up until a certain point. That's awesome because we can know about him. Just like I know about Matt Ryan. He's the greatest quarterback in the NFL. He's six foot four inches tall, about 215 pounds. He's not too good at running the ball. He's great in the pocket. Uh, Got a good arm. He went to Boston College. I can tell you all kind of stuff about Matt Ryan, right? But if I meet up with him in Walmart, he don't know who I am. There's no relationship there. I don't know what his favorite food is. Like we're not we're not buddies. He doesn't know anything about me. And I don't want that to be my relationship with God that I know all this information about him and every week I learn more information about him by asking people that know him but I never spend time with him myself. That I never make it a personal relationship. We have to move on past finding out information. If I want real relationship, I need to spend time with him. And let him tell me about himself. See, if you told me something about Ben, well, I could argue that. I could say, no, I don't know if he really does whatever pick one of those things that uh, I don't know if he's really starting to work at Southwire Thursday I think he might be doing something different or I mean I could argue it but if I heard it straight from Ben hey man I'm starting Southwire Thursday then kind of hard to argue that when you're telling me something about yourself see this is fun coming down into the crowd what's your name Matt His name's Matt. Matt, what's your favorite food? Uh Burglars, hamburgers. Burglars? Burglars, hamburgers. Hamburglars. <laughs> huh? Now, it would be pretty ridiculous if I stood here and argued with him. No, it didn't. Dude, you like ice cream. This is not a marriage class. We are one. Me and him are not. <laughs> okay. Look, uh, yeah, well, it's been, okay. When we first got married, I thought I knew what she liked more than she knew what she liked, and she told me she liked vegetables more than steak, and I don't see how that would be possible. So, yes, we. But back on track. <laughs> okay, I'm learning. All right. He just told us that his name is Matt, and that his favorite food is burglars, burgers, <laughs> burger, some kind of burglar burgers. That's the kind you get when you break into somebody's house and steal them. And when they had leftover burgers. Burglar, burglar, burglars. That's his favorite food. I can't sit here and argue that. Why? Because he just told me. He told me that was his favorite. So if God tells me his name, or if God tells me something about himself, I don't have to waste time arguing. And I'm not going to believe it if you tell me something different. So why would I waste a bunch of time debating and arguing with something that he's already told me about himself? I'm not. Anymore. I have in the past. I'm sure we all have. But I'm trying to say, I'm done with that. Because what's the point? If he's already told me something, so... Why would I not look in his word? And why would I not listen in my quiet time and listen for him to reveal himself to me, exactly what Paul was praying for them, that God would reveal himself to me in such a way that I know who he is. That I know his name, I know his authority, I know what he likes. So that I can do what he likes and I doesn't matter. I'm not going to argue. There's some things that I don't have to argue about now you know a couple things about Matt if anybody comes to you and tells you that his name is Rob you can say no it's not heard him say in the microphone his name is Matt I don't believe that his name's Rob I'm not going to call him that I'm not going to waste my time because he told me About himself. Just take just a second and look at look at somebody else in the room and tell them your favorite restaurant. Go ahead. We'll go top five for Jesse because she can't decide. To discuss the whole entire menu, I just said, Tell them your favorite restaurant. Everybody just talked. Hey, hello, back up here. Got a lot of conversations going there. I guess you guys are hungry. Hope everybody said Highland. No. Notice how when you just told somebody your favorite restaurant, they didn't argue with you. No, it is not. You like McDonald's. Well, maybe some of your spouses did. I don't know, but they shouldn't have. Why? Because you know you. You know what you like. So today, I thought it would be kind of cool if we let God describe himself to us. Rather than me describing what I think he's like. I'm just going to read you a scripture where he describes himself. And we'll talk about that for a few minutes. Um, Exodus 34, 5 and 6. I'm going to read it to you. It's cool. and I read it in multiple different translations, but I'm going to read it to you in the NIV. Um, Exodus 34, verse 5. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and he stood there with him. And he proclaimed his name, his name or his authority, who he is. So this is God telling Moses who he is. The Lord. Verse 6, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That's four things that God said about himself. We don't have to waste time arguing or wondering about these four things. This is our God. This is him. So we're going to look at those four things. First one he said, he said, I am compassionate. God is compassionate. Well, what is compassion? Sympathy with action not just feeling sorry for a hungry kid on a commercial it's doing something about it it's going and feeding the hungry child it's it's sympathy with action god is compassionate you know how like some people get real aggravated when a kid's crying and like in a restaurant or or on an airplane i heard this guy just fussing and complaining about how so annoying when a little baby's screaming in a In an airplane when he's trying to fly on a flight, and it's just so aggravating. You know what fixes that? Pretty quick, I've seen. If they have a kid of their own, you realize pretty fast. You know, we rode to a VN uh, meeting a couple weeks ago, and Rebecca and RJ and Azalea rode with us, and Azalea got fussy bit on the way, and she started screaming. And Rebecca and RJ are like apologized to me and Jesse, and we're like, "It doesn't bother us. She's a baby. We expect her to scream and cry a little bit. That's okay. She's getting tired, or she's hungry, or what? It's a baby. We've we've had three of them, and they've all three screamed. They've all three cried. We don't. We didn't get upset or offended. We don't love Azalea any less because she cried for a few minutes in the car, like. We've had kids. We know. So it's easy for us to have compassion. It's easy for us to understand. It's hard to understand what somebody's going through until you go through it. There are some things that you go through that if I've not gone through it, sometimes it's hard for me to have compassion for you to get in your situation and have compassion, you just want to say, well, get over it. Well, just stop doing that. Well, I'm trying not to be too specific. Because the reality is, if I haven't gone through it, it's hard for me to have genuine compassion for you going through it. All of the ancient gods... Were something you could know about. But they were far away. You could never know them personally. It was just something you could know about. And get information about. And like I was asking about Ben. But you were never able to, to know them. And John 1.14. John 1 tells us that the word became Flesh and dwelt among us Jesus God sent Jesus to live as a man and be tempted in all ways that we're tempted and come and be one of us so that he could know what it feels like that he could be here on earth stuck on a timeline and know what we feel like and that he could have compassion and all throughout the gospel we see that Jesus was moved with compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion and he healed their sick. Jesus was moved the the literal translation um, where it was talking where it said he was moved with compassion and he healed their sick the the disciples the the translation was that he was moved in his bowels. Some translations say moved deeply inside within. Moved in his bowels. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. So that he would know what it feels like. Jesus knows what it's like. He knows what you're going through. That's why God has compassion. He's the compassionate one. God has compassion for us. Remember when the prodigal son, he asked his dad for everything and he took it all and he went and wasted it and it was just like, Disrespect, disregard for his dad and went threw it away, went against everything he was taught and just wasted it and and when he finally came home, the Bible tells us that the father saw his son and he was filled with compassion. why Because that's the father's heart. no matter how mad you get at your kid, then all of a sudden they come home, they turn their heart back towards home and you're filled with compassion. you've given him another chance he's an idiot. Yeah, but he's my son. The father's heart was filled with compassion the same way your father, God, when you begin to see him as a father, every single time you turn your heart towards home, he's filled with compassion. And he runs to meet you. He's not sitting there with a lightning bolt ready to pop you. How do you see him? So that's the first one. He's compassionate. The second one that God said about Himself is that He is gracious. I am gracious. What if somebody slaps you in the face as soon as church is over? Just walks up and I'm talking about so hard it busts the side of your lip right here. No, better yet. What if, let's see, who's this sweet? Cute little girl in here. What if a Veda comes skipping down the stairs right here and you see a grown man walk up and slap her in the face so hard it knocks her on the ground and her lip starts bleeding? What, What emotions will that cause to rise up in you? I'm jumping on him. I'm gonna be angry, quick, real quick. And I hope if you're closer to it than me, you get to him before I do. Is that right or wrong? I don't know. Why not even bring that up? Now I'm getting mad and nothing even happened. <laughs> you see, you feel that. <laughs> you feel that emotion? You get angry. Remember 9-11 when those airplanes crashed into the towers and hundreds of people were dying for pointless. Kids were dying and people were dying. Innocent lives were lost. How would that make you feel? Made me feel kind of angry. You know, find out who did this. Justice. We, we need to get them. Somebody needs to pay. Did anybody say, well... Who am I to judge? Let me see. What if, what if when Aveda got slapped and she was laying on the floor crying by this guy that came walking in, uh, and you say, Well, maybe they thought it was the right thing to do. Who am I to judge? Now I'm going to slap you too. <laughs> There's messages going south. <laughs> well, we got to leave for the funeral. I'm going to leave you in good hands, and Doug's going to finish this message. <laughs> Doug's going to close you out. Play something sweet, Dylan. <laughs> Why is that, that we feel angrier, that we feel like justice must be served, or that we should do something, or that somebody's got to pay when something wrong happens? There's no debate on whether it's wrong for somebody to come slap a Veda down on the ground. There's, not a, there's no debate about that. If there is, then there's something wrong. Why? Because we have an internal sense of justice inside of us. What's, what's right and wrong? And that's just wrong. Someone must pay. Do you know that's how God felt about sin? Every time you sinned or missed a mark or the transgression, it was a slap in God's face. Just like you getting slapped in the face. That's how God felt. Somebody's got to pay. So Christ was offered. Hebrews tells us. He is a gracious God. He made a way. He's full of grace. The third one, the third thing he said about himself, and I like how it's right after gracious because we love grace we love the power of grace and, and right after gracious the third one he said is he's slow to anger I am slow to anger see how fast some of you got angry when I was talking about that a few minutes ago you're not slow to anger and I'm not sometimes well I am well you probably have some triggers where you get angry pretty quick What about traffic or your wife? (laughs) What about a cat? Huh? What about when the neighbor's dog tears up your trash? God is slow to anger. Some of you kids, you know how you can make your parents angry? With almost no effort, you know exactly what buttons to push. Make your mom and dad mad. You just, you do. You can get them so mad they can't even get out correct sentences. I'm going to You know what I'm talking about. Now I'm getting to the age where, see, I knew a lot of y'all's parents before they had kids. And they were normal back then. You did it to them. I promise you that. I got a lot more grace for like now my parents' generation. Now I got a lot more grace for y'all because I see what kids do to people. Believe it or not, Bo was normal before having all them kids) <laughs> If you see God as an angry or an abusive father, you don't know him. Because I know him. And if in your mind he's abusive or angry, you don't know him. That's not who he is. Will he discipline you? Yes. But if you see it as abuse or as anger, you need to get to know him a little better. Second Peter, um, Second Peter three, we won't we have to turn there, but um, Second Peter, I think three, eight or somewhere in there. Uh, Peter said Peter's saying that God is patient, right that he's patient with us. Um, I think Peter should know Jesus had to exercise a whole lot of patience. The God man, Jesus, God in flesh, he, he exercised a lot of patience with Peter. Peter was writing that. He's not angry. He's slow to anger. You need to know today, I feel like somebody in here needed to know that God's not disappointed in you. He can't be disappointed in you. He's not. He already knew everything that was going to happen. He already paid. He already sent his son. He has a plan and a purpose and a will for your life. It doesn't matter. He's not disappointed in you. He can't be. He won't be. Number four. God said he is abounding in love. Raise your hand if you have kids. Okay. All right, put your hands back down. Now, raise your hand if you love your kids. Hopefully all the same hands went back up. really hope so. If not, we'll talk about that next week. Um, Parents love to hear their kids laugh. If you don't have kids, you can kind of understand, but I don't think fully. Parents love to hear their kids laugh, even when they're a little bitty baby. The first time you get your kid, I'm not talking about just a, "Eh." when you get a kid to belly laugh for the first time, whatever you did to make them do it you do it over and over and over and over doesn't matter did you go poo-poo in the potty your iq lowers 30 points every time you try to make a kid laugh i promise you that a lot of time we know laughter does good like a medicine so You'd love for your boss to laugh on Monday morning, right? But you ain't, you're not going in there going, oh. Good boss, did you poo-poo in the potty?" No. I hope not. Don't try that at Southwire, Ben. If you do, don't tell them you know Tyler. Parents love to hear their kids laugh. Doesn't matter if they look stupid. Doesn't matter. God is your Father. He wants to see you happy. He wants to see you laugh. He wants to see you enjoy Him, His presence. He wants you to come into His presence with singing and laughter and gladness he is abounding in love for you like a father to his children his love is crazy his love doesn't make sense his his love is reckless and his love is not earned you don't earn it get that out of your head Get rid of that thought. You don't earn God's love. You can't earn God's love. It's about who you are. Not what you've done. So who is God? What's He like? He's compassionate. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. If you change your perspective, you change your actions. If you change what you think, you can change how you act. Just by changing your perspective, look at it a little different. Change your perspective of God. If one thing that I said today changed how, wait, yeah, maybe I was looking at him wrong on that. One thing. If you change your perspective, it'll change the way you live your life, it'll change the way you act. I heard this guy talking about how they went on a trip with their kids, and they were. It would be the first time the children had ever flown on an airplane. They were both under five years old. their two kids, and they get them in the seats, and the kids were. They started arguing about some pointless thing, and they're back and forth, and and fussing and crying and whining, and they can't get them out of their seats. And he's like, "Oh gosh, everybody around is going to be getting annoyed and and aggravated." And they're sitting there arguing, and the and the person in front of them turned around and said are those your two kids and he's like he said I wanted to say nope no but you know they are so he said um uh yeah and the person said it must be nice we would give anything to have two kids and then he said he thought "Mm." because he thought they were going to turn around and fuss at him and he said we would give anything to have two kids, and so he said, Oh, I'm sorry. Do you not have kids? And they said, Oh yeah, we we have six kids, but we would give anything to have only two. <laughs> yeah, you didn't see that coming, did you? <laughs> Perspective changes everything. It changes things. You know, there are hundreds of names and characteristics of God found in the Old Testament. And they were all wrapped up into one. The name that's above every other name. Coming into the New Testament, into the final part of God's plan. Prince of Peace, the Giver of Life, the Rose of Sharon, the Bright and Morning Star, Jesus. All the names of God. And all the characteristics of God can be found in Jesus, in Christ, who he is, what he brought, the name that's above every other name. Remember, Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? First, he said, Who do men say that I am? And they're like, Oh, some say Elijah, and some say Jeremiah, and some say John the Baptist, and some say, and social media says this, and pop culture says this, and everybody's got an opinion. And Jesus said, Hold on, hold on. Who do you say that I am? Because that's what really matters. So I'm asking you today, Who do you say that God is? Who is He to you? Who is God to you? You know, if you Google Jesus, 892 websites pop up. With clickable links. You do have to weed out some of the Jesus's and stuff like that. But, a lot of stuff pops up. Oh, excuse me, 892 million. And did you know that Jesus has appeared on the cover of Time Magazine more than 20 times? There were no cameras back then. So, these are drawings of what people think he looked like. Made it on the front of Time magazine more than 20 times. Everybody's got opinions. Who is God? Who is Jesus? Who's the God-man? Who is God to you? What is God to you? Is it a thing? Is it stuff? Is it a career? Is it... What is God to you? Who is God to you? Is he first? Can I see him if I look at your life? If I look at your marriage? If, if I look at your checkbook? Will I see God? You know, love gives. The number one response of love is to give. God so loved the world that he gave the most valuable thing he had. His son. Do you know if you are invested, you care more? It could be two football teams that you don't care about. Like, I'm talking about like Browns and Broncos or something. Like, it's just like, <laughs> okay, but I'm just kidding. I threw in Broncos for Jackie. Two teams you just really don't care about, right? But if you place a bet on that game, say you bet $100 on that game, all of a sudden, boy, you care about that game. You're cheering for that game. In fact, you're ready to punch somebody that's cheering for another team. Because ah, you're invested. Right? You ever check the stocks? If you say no, that's probably because you don't have any. If you do, all of a sudden you want to go check them all the time. Why? Because you're invested. Um, Exodus 34 1, I was gonna read it to you, but I won't I won't turn back and read it in the interest of time. But Go back and read it, Exodus 34, 1 through 4. It's the few four verses right before what we just now read. Um, It's when God told Moses, hey, carve out of stone two new tablets for the Ten Commandments that you broke. Now you get a chisel and a hammer and you carve out some new tablets and you bring them up to me and I'm going to write the law on them again. Like I gave it to you the first time and you broke it. So now I want you to... Carve some new ones and bring them up here. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write some new ones. And then those tablets, Moses did it, and those tablets went into the Ark of the Covenant and they weren't broken again. He did it and we broke it. And then he let us help fix it. Why? Because if we're invested, then we care more. If Scott has to clean up his own room then he cares a little more about picking up after himself about picking up his laundry cuz he's invested he'll help out to do the natural and then he steps in and does the super proverbs 19:17 and this will be it proverbs 19:17 He that hath pity upon the poor. It's natural. It's a natural thing. You have pity on the poor. You help the poor. He that feedeth the poor. Some say like, okay, he that hath pity on the poor lendeth unto the Lord. and well, That's a spiritual loan. Right, so you do the natural and then there's the spiritual. And that which he hath given, will he pay him again? Back to a back to a natural thing this verse kind of blurs the line between natural and spiritual we're natural humans serving and becoming more and more like a spiritual god or a father and so it's the lines get kind of blurred sometimes we like we see this in baptism Like we come together in the natural, we walk down into a natural lake or swimming pool, it's natural body of water, and we're dunked under, but then a new creation comes up as we announce to the world and to God, like, hey, I'm being baptized, and we pop up, and then something happens in the spiritual realm. It's like we're doing the natural, and then the spiritual thing happens, Jesus said, if you speak in the natural, your words, you speak in the natural to this mountain with faith. Wait, that's spiritual. You trust that something more than the natural can happen to this mountain, be thou plucked up and cast into the sea, it will be. So, where's the line? Where is the crossing? What about like when I tithe? I get up and go to work and I sweat tomorrow and I make some money and I set aside the 10% for God and then I bring it in and I, and I put it in the offering and it's natural, 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 natural. And then the windows of heaven open up and God comes through and I get a great deal or, or God blesses my finances or the supernatural windows of heaven. I, where's the line? What about in worship? I come in lifting up my hands. I'm doing the natural. I'm lifting up my hands. I'm clapping my hands. I'm holding up my hand. And then what? God grabs me. The spiritual. The supernatural. So where's the line? I don't know. But I know the more I see, the more I do. And the more I do, the more he comes through. And when I see him for who he is, I love him. And I want to invest in our relationship. What is a relationship that you don't invest into? Not much. Very one sided. If I didn't invest into my marriage, it wouldn't be a very good marriage. I want to know him. So I'm going to invest. He is compassionate, he's gracious, he's slow to anger. And he abounds in love. Let's pray. God, thank you for revealing yourself to us. God, we want to know you more. God, we want to see your heart. We want to see who you really are so that we can then know who we really are. God, thank you for revealing yourself to us and thank you for showing us bits and pieces of you. God, give us all that we can handle.